Hey, Carl, Jason here, just calling about your latest episode. Yeah, it sounds a little disappointing with that Iron Kingdoms, you know, scenario. Maybe it need a little more fine-tuning. But all in all, you know, it still sounds like a great game. As far as Deadlands go, you did a great job with that. No complaints. A lot of fun. I, I for one, will not go check out those other materials because I'm enjoying exploring and learning the world as we go. As far as Amy, yes, I should have mentioned, you know, by far, she's the best thing that's appeared on the show so far. She's definitely more articulate than you are. And you need to be careful because people are going to want her to host the show instead of you. You know, Amy, the Amy show with, you know, Carl. And I have like a little five-minute segment of Carl and then mostly with just Amy. But that'd be okay. Hey, Jason, sorry to disappoint you, but Amy was unavailable to record this week. So you're stuck with me. But hey, in this intro, my voice is better, so maybe I'm over my cold. Uh, this is a relatively short episode with um, a couple unboxings, sets of unboxings, and some short recaps. And uh, I have a comment in the outro at the end about uh, what to do in certain gaming situations. And maybe you guys could share and if you get some feedback, that would be great. But uh, here's the show, the one... Carl Scratchy voice. Here's a double unboxing. I apologize for my voice. It's kind of shot. Uh, I sort of have a sore throat and a bit of a headache and some congestion, but I don't. I guess it never explains the voice. I guess the uh, the parts that make your voice, the vocal cords and stuff, must be swollen. In any case, I was going to do a double unboxing, but I'll just tell you the results because it's been raining and storming here and. The postman left one of the boxes kind of literally in like a puddle of water. So I fished that out and opened it very quickly. It was a medium mailbox, about um, 8 by 12 by 5. And inside was what the uh, Kickstarter published, re, uh, published products for the Starship Warden, which is a reprint of the original Starship Warden um, by... Oh, jeez. James Ward and reprinted by Troll Lord Games. Nominally, you can use the Metamorphosis Alpha original version, but they've also converted a lot of it to Star Siege slash Amazing Adventures, which is their modern sci-fi versions of Castles and Crusades. So it's a pretty big tome. It's pretty impressive, actually, and then they give you a box, uh, much like a lot of Troll Lord Games uh, compilations and products, and there's a whole lot of supplements that break out things like uh, the bestiary. I think there's like three books, like a bestiary book, a um, equipment book, and then a map book, and then there are two adventures, uh, one that is could be a, cross, a fantasy crossover and another one that could be an entry for a more traditional Star Siege uh, type of game where your group comes upon the floating Hulk that is the Starship Warden. I guess you could also start, and I would probably, if I ran a game, it is pretty impressive. I'd love to get to the game to the table. And a friend of mine, Larry Hamilton from Follow Me and Die podcast, ran a game of Metamorphosis Alpha on the Starship Warden in, at a convention last year, online convention, and I participated. I played in this game. It was actually pretty fun, and that's why eventually when I saw the Kickstarter, I, I did it. 
So the book itself is a meaty, the main book itself is a meaty 656 pages. So there's a lot, tons of information and it looks like it's definitely, there's some ways on where you can start the game and how to start the game, but it is a full-on sandbox. Like there's no adventure path on how to run through the different levels. It's just, here's the big Starship Warden, go. And it gives you a few examples of where you could start and how you could start. But being a sandbox, I mean, some things are, look like they'd be pretty dangerous for a low-level group. Um, so it's a, it'll be a lot of prep for the GM and on how to keep the characters to uh, surviving or really encourage the characters to, to run when they can um, instead of fighting everything they come across. But it seems really pretty cool and pretty impressive. Lots of fun handouts too for you know encounter tables or in handouts, information that characters could find, or character sheets. Um, I don't, I guess I would run Star Siege using the Star Siege engine, but you could use, you could figure out and use anything really, right? I mean, I guess I could even use Savage World, right? That's what they usually run. So the other thing I got, I got it was a package from eBay, and it was just a you know, like a envelope, uh, kind of like a legal, not legal size, but like an eight and a half by 11 envelope package that you usually see for priority mail, um, but it was sent through by eBay, and it is, and I opened it, and it is my copy of the Red Star Lone Star Adventure for Twilight 2000, and it is in amazing shape. This thing was published back in 1986, and I mean, there are, there's like one crease on the spine and it, it doesn't have that it must have been stored well because it doesn't have that sort of old musty smell that you usually get i mean the pages are slightly yellowed but i mean it's uh, it's i think he said it was very good but i say this is excellent so kudos to uh the seller on ebay for this actually it even has the original um, he bought it at the complete strategist i wonder if it was the boston or the new york store i guess i should look uh, there used to be one that i went to in college there on Mass Ave, across from the uh, Christian Science Monitor. I don't think it's there anymore, but that's kind of cool. I think I'll keep that sticker on there just for nostalgia's sake. But it, it was $7 retail way back in 1986. I did not pay $7 for it. But I felt I paid a fair price, and it looks it's a beautiful copy of Red Star Lone Star. Oh, and Red Star Lone Star, just FYI, it's basically a Twilight 2000 adventure that takes you... Um, to or you arrive at the um, the south 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 coast of Texas, so you have a map of southern Texas that goes from Brownsville all the way up to San Antonio. Um, I live in San Antonio, so I'm definitely excited about this. I probably know all these a lot of these locales, and you guess you have to try to figure out what the hell happened, you know, after you know, in World War Three or after the start of World War Three. You know, what's going on here in South Texas so I thought it was pretty neat um, very I would be very excited to run it and see what's what, I have to read it for you know and see what's going on like uh, I guess it says Red Star Lone Star so there must be you know Soviet elements or something like that there as well that the players have to contend with it seems pretty cool um, there's my congested unboxing No gaming over the weekend, really. 
I planned a game a Saturday morning with Jason Connerly and I had to cancel because I didn't saw me hit Friday night and I didn't get to sleep till 5 a.m. I wonder if that's part causal for why I have this sore throat and bad voice and stuff. Who knows? Lots of, I guess, maybe lots of exposure, lots of crap blew in or is blowing in on the front of this latest tropical depression and it's probably caused the sore throat or a slight infection. We'll see how this goes. Anyway, on Sunday, we're not doing Savage World, Savage Pathfinder anymore. Uh, Kevin Madison is doing like a flip-flopping some games and wants to try out new things as any GM I don't totally empathize because I switch games left and right as well and I want to try new things I got a big collection and I want to run them so he uh, decided or he wants to run <coughs> at least this month I don't know how many sessions will we'll go with this particular game but he's going to run a Warhammer Fantasy 2nd edition game based in Pretonia so we didn't play on our session on Sunday we made characters so you can see all that on Kevin Madison's YouTube character um, uh, YouTube channel for the character creation session it's got over 400 views apparently already so which is pretty neat um, my character I made I did not I decided not to go human Bretonian I made a dwarf and he is not a typical dwarf he's not a dwarf fighter with a big axe he is a dwarf rogue sorry the rain has started again and hey my voice sounds a little better somehow hmm nope there it goes it's back bad again so I rolled up a dwarven rogue named Gorill well he's not a rogue but that's kind of the path I'm taking him the career choice that I rolled was a gambler so he's gonna start as a gambler and maybe move into a rogue or rapscallion or something like that so we'll see uh, Warhammer Fantasy 2nd Edition is a percentile dice system, um, very similar to 1st Edition, 2nd uh, Edition added talents and clarified how the rules went, 3rd Edition was very board gamey, and 4th Edition is the system I use in the running of my latest Warhammer games, um, has, I felt, streamlined character creation a bit and made careers and advancement a bit more a bit easier to understand uh, hopefully we'll get to advance these characters we'll see how long we play but it's it's a pretty weird complex and there's errata and FAQ on how to do character advancement but not that character creation was that hard it was pretty straightforward and easy but just moving from one career to another becomes a challenge so looking forward to it I love the Warhammer verse I'm loving to be running in a place I usually don't run in. I usually run games in the Empire. So Bretonia should be kind of cool. Hey, so another unboxing. I got another package from eBay. It's just a small envelope style package. It is clearly marked Do Not Bend. And uh, as I open it up, And I find that it is another very good, if not excellent, copy of a Twilight 2000 module. This one is Pirates of the Vistula. 
which is the second, I think it's the second module after the initial, no, so I guess it would technically be the third. There's a, like a breakout scenario module in the box set, and then there's Free City of Krakow, and then I think it's Pirates of the Vistula, uh, which opens up the waterways of Poland after the breakout and scenarios of Twilight 2000's Third World War alternate history. So now I got a second box, and this one is by is from Noble Knight Games. It's a slim, it's not a box per se, it's like a slim folder, folio type, so I'm using my handy dandy box cutter to open it up. Again, it's an 8 by 12 type of box. And again, I'm impressed with the last two offerings that I got from eBay where I bought the um, these older Twilight 2000 books in the 1980s. They've been they're in great shape. Um, so here, this one is some goodies that include stuff from DCC Day. So Beneath the Well of Brass, which is a DCC Day adventure scenario. Oh, I got the Adventure Pack, which is pretty cool. And the Adventure Pack I'm excited about because it has um, not just the DCC adventure, level one adventure, but it also has a Dying Earth adventure, Fathoms Below Witch Isle, so the first published Dying Earth adventure, which would be great, and a Meet and Call Crawl Classics adventure. So pretty cool, the Dungeon Pack, the Adventure Pack. I was going to get another scenario, or, or this was a quick start, is that they didn't have enough of, but the Noble Knight being awesome as they are gave me a $10 credit because I didn't have something I wanted that was only a penny. So the last thing I ordered or I got is another Twilight 2000 supplement, and this one is the Free City of Krakow, and it is looks in great condition again. It was listed as very good. And this one is actually in a bag. It's back, bagged and boarded. So it has a bag with a board uh, on it, so well-preserved. And let's see. Yep, it's very nice. Very nice copy. Doesn't smell. Page is barely yellowed. It might even be the original coloration, truth be told. It's in great shape. Looking forward to it. You'll see. You'll see. I'm actually contemplating running this very strongly, and I hopefully I get some, some players to join in. It should be fun. All right. Well, that's my other unboxing in this podcast. Hopefully I get this out by the end of the week, but we will see. Once again, the players in my Warhammer Fantasy 4th Edition game caused problems in the town that they visited. They were beset upon by thugs in an ambush and defeated them pretty handily, but were a little bloodthirsty, and when one tried to run away, he was sort of gunned down in the back by one of the players who, when running out of the alley and seeing all the people and sort of murdering him in broad daylight, didn't really say anything appropriate to defend himself, and there was a call for the watch. So there was a small chase through the t- through the city as the players ran back to their boat, but they were smart. They didn't linger, and they didn't want to confront the watch of the town. So their boatman, Yosef, 
hid them and uh, hid them successfully. And then they were continue on their way to the next place. But players being players, hey, sometimes that happens. And I mean, the ambush was, it is a plan by one of the, the early on bad guys to try to take one of the players out. And they defeated it, which was great. So uh, what I liked about this part of the adventure, it was kind of, you know, it's pretty crazy in Altorf, and this is sort of a slow journey down the canal and then onto the town of Weissenbruck, which is sort of the gateway between the canal and the big river. So the adventure does a great job of having the players feel immersed in the world by the descriptions of what happens in that slow journey, but they don't belabor it that there's an encounter after encounter. So what's really an interesting mechanic in um, Warhammer Fantasy for downtime is something called Endeavors, and I let the players take an endeavor. So we did some bookkeeping as well as the actual play where the characters advanced in their careers. So the apprentice wizard became a full-fledged wizard. The lawyer is moving up in their career. The villager changed to a boatman. It was an uh, opportunity given in the adventure that you could get a free change. So he took it. And there was a connection because his quote-unquote uncle, who had served with his father in the war, uh, was the is the leader of the boat or the captain of the boat. So it's a, it's a Reichland river barge. So it's pretty cool. There's nice pictures actually in the book of the boat. And then the other player uh, went from a courtier to a duelist. And the last player, the Wood Elf Knight, continued on his path to becoming a knight. And uh, I pretty much advanced, and they give you these trappings. So I gave him some of the trappings. Some of the trappings didn't make sense getting them on a boat. But he had been, for example, he had commandeered a um, a horse and was sort of retraining it. So I sort of hand-waved that and let him take that as his destrier. Gives him a good bond and a good connection to the horse. And they're actually looking for the riding horse that was stolen or schemed away. Um, and that, I hope, is what they will find in the next place when they get to Bogenhafen, because that's the next part of the journey. So it's a brief summary. Um, it seems like a lot happened, but, you know, we did finish a chapter. And I think the main part of it, again, was that we failed, failed, foiled ambush. And, of course, the cool thing is that the orchest orchestrator of the ambush did get away. So... They will see him again soon, I'm sure. So I'll just give some brief commentary and close it out. So in the, these past two weeks, we've had some very interesting situations with my home group. The one where they were, there was in a, they were taken prisoner and there was some tension. And then in this last one where there was an ambush. So... I mean, tongue-in-cheek, I know Jason accuses me a lot of railroading, and and these things happen in the adventure. I'll say in the one, it was part of the the adventure where there's a setup where the characters are accused with murder for murder, um, and then they're arrested. But the timeline makes no sense, and it's not done very well. And I probably should have honestly read ahead and figured out how to modify it or something like that, or just drop it all together. 
um, and just gone on with the next phase because it seems kind of irrelevant. Just jump. I should just jump from where they ran from the undead in the sewers, and then the undead explode into the city, and that's where we're at now. But there was this interlude instead where they were arrested and falsely accused of murder, and then we had to deal with that. And then the second instance, it was less part of the adventure and more of this is generally what's going to occur, and I kind of improvised based on the character's actions, which I thought went well, but it was almost, it could have been heavy-handed, except one of the players, instead of when he rolled for his magic skill, did really well. It could have, I mean, in, in a case like that, where it's random, ensure the character has done everything they can to give them an advantage. It could still go south if you fail in your magic check and cause chaos to occur. So I, I don't think it was, in that case, heavy-handed. And like I said, it could have gone south, but it didn't because of some good rolls and uh, players backing each other up. But uh, I felt that since the players went out and decided to go on like a... They're looking for this character that they saw, but they decided instead to make it a, a pub crawl. And they were there's a, a skill in Warhammer Fantasy called um, Consume Alcohol, and some failed it pretty badly, and one was blind drunk. But uh, somehow, even though in one round, the big Wood Elf Knight was ganged up upon, uh, that he held his own, and uh, they were able to shake things off and recover and uh, bring the fight to the ambushers. So, And also, I think, like I said, the magic helped a lot because the, the magic blasted uh, the leader of the ambush gang and uh, knocked his weapon out of his hand, and then that person fled. So morale broke down. Some tried to run away, like I explained earlier. Anyway... So, I'm not trying to give a double recap, but as a GM especially, or even as a player, how do you feel, or what is your response when things go south for the characters, and there could be an inkling of either railroading or heavy-headedness on the GM's part? And is that necessary sometimes? And furthermore, like, what are the consequences? So, so now, right, there's going to be, they're going to be wanted in Altorf, they're going to be wanted in Weissenbrook. And maybe that's part of the setup, I feel, in reading through the adventure. It's okay if they do some stupid stuff early on. And in fact, uh, in part of the plot, um, in the in the overall plot, the, the nobles that the players get into an altercation with, one of them is indeed murdered. So then the players are, are wanted at some point. So I think that's part of the the overall story arc, and it might work in. But in this case, at least in the Altorf altercation, the players are the ones that caused the damage. Although, you know, when they left, the, the man wasn't dead. But, you know, things happen, I guess. So there you go. So what? how does that work? How does that work in your campaign? Does it matter if the players are enjoying it or not? Does it really matter? Um, what do you do? Like I know, for example, and I can tell 
already that one of my players doesn't like it, will always bristle up, will always fight and be contentious. And in fact, did apologize after the Iron Kingdoms thing. But again, you know, because I had misinterpreted something that they said and, and it got, it didn't get heated, but I could tell there was tension. And I know this player doesn't like being captured and doesn't like their, especially, and I've seen it with a lot of players, doesn't like their stuff being taken away. Very, box, very much box at, we're taking your weapons. Because there seemed to be the player that always takes the, the character with the signature weapon or the family heirloom weapon. And I guess they don't trust the GM or trust the system. And I, did, I, had, I had to explain to him, this is a precaution. This is a law. This is a law-abiding town. They're going to give you your stuff back if you're not a criminal. It's not. I said this is not like another, like a pirate port city in the in the world where they'll just take your stuff, you know. And you know, so it's an interesting question too. You know, how do players feel when they're captured or? put in prison and all this stuff is taken away. How does that work? How does that work in your game? All right, I think that's about it. Because even though my voice was fine in the beginning, it's back to scratchy. <laughs>